Amen. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Proverbs. And as you do, kiddos, you're dismissed. Pre-K through second grade. Give the babies a hand as they go. Come on. Oh, come on. You're giving them the golf clap. Well, it is Father's Day, so I guess that works. And also, our nursery is right through these doors and to the right. If you'd like to use your, the nursery, but as always, them babies are welcome here in the sanctuary of Grace Baptist Church. Amen, church? And we do want to say a happy Father's Day, you know, but we also want to acknowledge and just recognize uh, for many of you, Father's Day is a difficult time. And again, we'll be in Proverbs chapter number 13. Uh, Father's Day can be a difficult time. You're missing a loved one. Uh, you're, maybe you're missing your father today, or um, uh, it's just, it could be a difficult time for some. Maybe you don't have or have not had a good relationship with your father. Father's Day can be difficult. Uh, uh, for many different reasons, but I hope this morning, if nothing else, that you'll recognize the blessings of your heavenly Father, and we'll be able to rejoice in that, and we're going to celebrate dads this morning. You know, if you've been in church very long at all, there's a cycle, there are seasons uh, in church life, and one of those is the Mother's Day, Father's Day combination, and what happens is this, on Mother's Day, we celebrate them ladies and their angels, and, and we love them, and we so usually get a, a, a sermon about how great mothers are, and they are, right, okay? But listen, we'll get a message about just, and they're perfect, and you think they walked on water, okay? And it's just wonderful, and it's hallelujah, and moms, and then we leave, and we do the thing. And then Father's Day rolls around, and what happens on Father's Day? We get kicked in the teeth, Amen. I mean, we just get, and dads are terrible, and blah, blah, blah. And so, and in case you're wondering, this is that kind of Sunday, amen? <laughs> Usually I don't do that, but this is what God has placed on my heart for this day. So let's go together. You know, one of the biggest problems that we have as a society and as a culture is unfathered fathers becoming fathers unfathered people become they've never really been fathered and they're having children and those children are becoming fathers ill-equipped to handle the role and the responsibility of being a father much of this is due to a failure to understand the role and the responsibility of the man in a family do you understand that being a father is much more than biological exercise and the children are the fruit of that but being a father comes up with the responsibility to almighty god and I heard this this last week, and week before last, and it stuck with me, and it's one of our main things for today. Write this down. I want you to understand that whoever owns the family controls the future. Whoever owns the family controls the future. Why do you think that so many uh, inappropriate, immoral, ungodly things are being pointed at children younger and younger, whether it's through cartoons or books or through television programming, things that our children are exposed to today that just 10 years ago would have been absolutely unthinkable. But it's because the evil one, the devil recognizes that whoever owns the family controls the future. Because, well, because I believe that children are our future. Teach them well. That's some Reverend Whitney. But listen, but it's true. It's true, isn't it? 
Whoever owns the family controls the future. And the issue of fatherlessness has dominated our culture. And, and it, we're reaping the results of that. The increase of criminal activity. The amount of time a, a young man spends in incarceration. The increase of children without fathers. We've got a generation of women that don't have a man to marry. There are plenty of males. There's just not any men around. All the result of fatherlessness, either because either the father's not there or he might as well not be there because he's no good when he is there. Now, some of you have may have been recipients of these kinds of fathers. Maybe you're here this morning and in between you and God, you know that you're a failed father. Maybe because you just didn't know, man. You don't know what you don't know. And like you didn't know, I, I should have been a godly father and I just, I just wasn't at that place. Or maybe uh, because you just didn't do what you knew that you need to do. But the net result is the job of fathering isn't getting done in 2019 the way that it should. The role of a father is much like a police escort. You know when a VIP or a, a president or a vice president, somebody rolls through town, they get a police escort right? And they, they surround them and they roll through town. They make sure they get to where they're going safely with no problems, right? They got to get to the destination safe and sound. That's the role of the father in the family. You're basically a police escort ushering your family into the future and making sure they get there safe and sound. In the relay race, it doesn't matter how fast you are out of the starting blocks or what place you're in when you go to pass off that baton. If you fumble the baton, you're going to lose that race. And it's just, we've seen enough Olympics to know that. Many times there's a team that looks like they're winning, but they drop that baton and they lose the race because it's all about passing the baton. We've got a generation of fathers today who are dropping the baton. They're not passing it at all. And primarily because they didn't get one. They didn't get a baton to pass on. Many times when you see the older generation, now you classify yourself. Many times in the older generation, they talk about these young people these days. Well, they're yours. These young people belong to you. They're the fruit of you. I'm, I'm about to get off track. I'm getting back to my notes. We have a generation of fathers today. They're not passing anything on. Many of them don't have anything to pass on, worth passing on. And so, again, this morning, Father's Day, we're going to be talking to dads in particular, but the principles that we're going to be talking about, they apply to all of us, men, women, boys, and girls. But our verse for this morning, Proverbs 13, verse number 22. Look at it. It says, a good man, say a good man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, let me read that again. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, we're talking about a spiritual inheritance. The good father leaves an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance for his children's children. In the Bible, in God's word, it is clear it is the man's responsibility to raise the children, not the mother's. In the Bible, it is clear that it is the man's responsibility for the tone, tenor, and direction of the family. God will hold you accountable for the raising of your children and not your wife and not the mother. Now, they've got a role to play. Now, I know this is counterculture. You can't believe this, but it's what Scripture says. As a matter of fact, just write this down. Fathers are responsible for the direction of the family. I'm not saying they're in it alone. I'm saying God will hold you accountable for the direction of your family. It is the responsibility of the father in Scripture, not the mother, to raise the children. Again, moms, you've got a role. We know it, okay? Trust me, you've got a role. You've got a part to play. But ultimately, that man is going to be held responsible. 
The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 4. Now, Ephesians 6, in the book of Ephesians, it's, hey, husbands do this. Love your wife like this. Wife do this. And mothers and fathers, it's telling us kind of what our roles are in the family and even in, in church. And Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Who? Fathers, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Over in Deuteronomy, it says to train your fathers, train your children up. So it's all the way back, starting with Adam, before Eve was even created. There's no Eve, and God tells Adam uh, to, uh, uh, to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. Before Eve was even on the scene, we need to understand this generational transfer of faith, to pass the baton of faith, not just to our children, but to our children's children. We need to be under the authority of God for that to happen. Now, if you've, sat, if you've been around me very long at all as far as preaching and stuff like that, you know that this idea of legacy, this generational transfer of faith is something that I am big on. And, right, and I, it's, it's shaped my, the vision and the purpose and the passion for me and the life of my family for well over a decade now once I got a glimpse of what we're talking about this morning. That it's not just about them babies, it's about those babies' babies generational but the problem in today's culture is too many people we talk about men lead your wives men lead your family god's going to hold you responsible and too many men are like that's right i'm the man that's right you you better do what i say right i'm the man god said i'm the head of the house right god's gonna hey i'm supposed to hey right we like the title but we don't live up to the responsibility we like the title oh yeah i'm i'm God's called me to raise these babies, but then we don't raise them. We like the title, but we don't live up to the responsibility, right? It causes us to strut when what it ought to do is cause us to hit our knees and pray. What an awesome, big, incredible responsibility that we can't do on our own. The Bible says this. Think about Moses, one of the men that was used more than any other man in the Old Testament. During his time, God used him in incredible ways. How does the Bible describe Moses? Numbers 12, verse 3 in your note says, The man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. He was the most humble man alive, dude. Listen, and that word humble, it means meek, meekness. Like some of your Bible translations, it may say meek. He was the most meek uh, man in all of the world. Meekness does not equal weakness. Meekness is being willing to submit yourself to the authority of God, right? To humble yourself to the point where you know that you need God's help in your life. Moses was the meekest man in all the world. He was the most humble man alive, so God used him more than any man alive during his time, more than anybody, right? He was God's man. Let me tell you what the Bible, I put this in here. Let me look at this next verse. Here's what God says to men today. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like a man. Be strong. Listen, if there's anything in the culture today that's under attack, it's men. Masculinity, right? You ever heard that expression, toxic masculinity? You know what that is? Man, right? We have a problem with men. You know what the best kind, according to culture in 2019, you know what the best kind of man is? A woman, we want to take our men, uh, emasculate them, and make them like a woman. God created you to be a man. And maybe it's about time to stand up and to be the man that God has called you to be. Stand firm in the faith. Wake up. And what God's Word is saying is, my well, culture doesn't want you to be a man. God says be a man. 
And like I said, and maybe uh, what's happening in your life is you've reached the age of manhood, but you're still a boy because you're still doing things like a boy. Write this down. The biblical man, biblical man, submits himself to the rule of God. The biblical man answers to God. He fears God. He takes God seriously. He's humble enough. God, I can't do this on my own. Help me. A good man leaves a spiritual inheritance for his children's children. A generational thinker. Three generations. Me, my children, and my children's children. Three generations. Any man who's not thinking long-term generationally cannot be classified as a good man. Look again at that verse, Proverbs 13, 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Look at this next slide. Again, basically... If you're not thinking long-term, you cannot be classified as a godly father. If you're only thinking about right here, right now, today, this night, this weekend, you cannot be classified as a godly father. The reason why we have a generation of men walking away from their children physically and emotionally is they have not learned to think long-term. And it's, unfortunately, it's unfortunate because what we started to do is we're outsourcing parenting to everybody but the people that God holds responsible that mom and that dad initiated and led by the fathers there's a generation of children that are being outsourced uh, even to government I heard a, uh, a preacher say not too long ago beware of the king's free food because if you eat it the king's going to control uh, your life look at this verse Proverbs 23 verse 1 it says, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're a man given an appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. You know, it really doesn't take a village to raise a child. It takes a mom and a dad. We need to be careful. And so it's the, the, our enemy is doing a great job. The devil is doing a great job because it only makes sense. If he could take the fathers out, if he could take the men out, then he's going to kind of disrupt this generational plan that God clearly has in his word where we pass down a spiritual heritage to our children and our children's children. Write this down. A godly father leaves an inheritance. Again, a spiritual inheritance for his children. That's what we need. Now, what's the result when that doesn't happen? When there's no spiritual heritage being passed down? Well, we see it perfectly in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, look at it. He says, Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. In other words, nothing had been passed down. So one generation knew the Lord. They knew what God had done for Israel. They knew it, but they didn't pass it down. They just thought through osmosis or just they're just being around them somehow. They're going to know the things that they need to know to receive a spiritual heritage. But it didn't happen. And the society and the culture was in absolute chaos because nothing had been handed down. And the same thing is true today. Many men, you're like, I wonder why he's the way he is. Well, because he had the daddy he had more than likely. More than likely. If you're here today and you're a father or father-to-be, your job is to have a generational mindset. Three generations minimum. And if you're a mom here and you're uh, fulfilling both those roles, the same thing is true for you too. The good man leaves an inheritance. Now think about this idea of inheritance. Again, from the time that God created Adam. He created Adam to have this generational mindset, right? To fill the earth, to be fruitful, and to multiply. And what was he supposed to uh, fill the earth with? People and families that had the stamp of God on their life. That's what he was to do, to have this generational mindset. From the very beginning, as soon as he created Adam, he's got Adam thinking about tomorrow. Too many of us are only thinking about right here, right now, and today. 
We need to produce families that have the stamp of God on them. God's inheritance. See, here's what we're doing. We're trying to get stuff. Like we're going to, you know what they're going to do with your stuff? They don't even like it. They're just going to load it up. It's going to the dump. It's going to Goodwill, whatever they can get at an auction. You know that boat you spend all your time on? It's gone. Because their kids need to go to college. Right? They don't want your stuff. Right? I mean, think about it. We're always think, we think it's about stuff that's inheritance by houses and cars and trucks and money or whatever. We think about stuff. Divine inheritance doesn't have anything to do with stuff. Look at this next slide. Divine inheritance starts with the transfer of faith to the next generation. That's what we're talking about. Every man should be passing down to his offspring this biblical worldview, a theistic outlook, right? There's only two worldviews, really, humanistic and theistic. Humanistic is everything is centered around man. Theistic, everything is centered around God. We need to be passing down to our children a biblical, godly worldview, right? This idea of a transfer of a covenant. I mean, think about it. Matthew 22, verse 32, look at it. This divinely orchestrated arrangement where faith is passed on. He says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Again, three generations. Why does he say it like that? I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. One, two, three generations. Right? He's trying to tell you that you need to be a three-generation man, a three-generation woman. Minimum. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, look at it. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What we're doing is we're seeking after the added to you part. i got to leave an inheritance for my babies. i got to leave something for my family, so i got to get things. i got to get stuff. i got to get these, uh, all these things that are going to be added. i got to get these things, and then maybe if there's enough time, maybe if I finally stop being tired from working all the time, maybe if I finally something happens, maybe eventually I'll get around to the... Now, God's kingdom and his righteousness. But I got to get the stuff because the stuff's what matters. But not in God's kingdom. God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be taken care of. But what we're doing in our family, we spend all of our time focusing on these things when God says, focus on me. And then we think that somehow, never focusing on him, only focusing on things, that we're passing down something to the next generation that's even worth having. They're going to haul it all to the dump. But if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's going to take care of these other details. I believe that. This inheritance always starts spiritual. Spiritual. It's not about the stuff. A spiritual, godly inheritance. And so, man, if you're here this morning and your wife had to wake you up and ask you if we're going to church this morning, if your wife is the one that has to say, hey, let's pray at every meal, if your wife is the prayer warrior in your family, if your wife is leading the children in devotional, you're missing your inheritance because that's your responsibility. She's to fill in the gaps. She's to prop you up. She's to strengthen you and to help you. And she's got her role, her, an amazing role in the family as well. She's to fill in the gaps when you can't be there, but it's your responsibility. God says he's going to hold you accountable for the direction of the family. Write this down. At the heart, a, a biblical man is a male. Again, it's, it's sad. I, have to, I, I want to differentiate that. It's 2019. We no longer know what a man is. A biblical man is a male who exercises responsibility under God. Under God. A, a man that's willing to submit himself to the authority of God and God's word. 
I mean, if you've got life, here's what you, if you've got life insurance, what you're acknowledging is someday something's going to happen and I'm not going to be here anymore and I want to make sure my people are taken care of, right? You've got this future orientation. But far too often we have zero future orientation when it comes to spiritual things and we're not passing anything down. We think that we're just, listen, I told him in the first service, what good is it going to be if you have a million dollar life insurance policy and you die and leave your pagan children a million dollars because they're going to use that million dollars to pagan it up like never before and to spend it on those pagan grandbabies and pagan great-great-grandbabies. You're just making rich pagans to go out there and sin. What good does it do? You got to, Amen. You've got to pass down spiritual things to your family. Spiritual. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't embarrass you. And by the way, this thing of inheritance is seen throughout the Bible. It's this big deal, this spiritual blessing, this inheritance. All the way back to Jacob. Remember, Jacob lied to get the blessing from Esau. And Esau sold it for a bowl of oatmeal. Right? I mean, you just see this idea of this, this one generation passing down this spiritual inheritance, this spiritual blessing to another generation. And Esau sold his for nothing. And the Bible says, look at this, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, the Lord says, Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now, there's more to that, and I'm not going to go into it right now, but I want you to understand that Esau did not value the inheritance. He threw it away, and that's a big deal. And so today we're asking men many times to pass down something they never even received because nobody gave it to them. Boys that are growing up violent, boys that are growing up undisciplined, boys who are growing up having babies that they walk away from, girls settling on fools because that's all they see. So they figure I go to the club and meet a man because there ain't no real men in church. And so we're in this societal storm and nothing changes. It's only going to get worse. And I heard this story recently and I read the article. It's been a couple years ago. Look at this next slide. The baby bull elephants over in Africa. What was happening was the baby bull elephants were going crazy. Crazy. Okay? Crazy. It's like the pre-K class during BBS. Okay? They're just, (laughs) woo! Right? They're just having a good time. And it's awesome. I'm kidding. They were wonderful. And I'm not kidding. They really were. They were great. Seriously, they were great. But these baby bull elephants are losing their mind. They're causing problems literally in villages, in the herd, being destructive not acting like baby bull elephants normally act. But what had happened was all of the mature male elephants had been killed because they wanted the ivory of their tusks. So the male population had been completely wiped out. There were no male bull elephants left, right, in this one area. And with all these baby bulls were acting up, these baby bull elephants. And so what they did was they reintroduced to the population some full-grown, mature male uh, bull elephants to the herd. And what happened was those baby bull elephants are out there cutting up, acting up, causing all kinds of problems. But the minute they reintroduced those uh, mature adult male bull elephants and they went out there and they went, you know, the noise, I can't do it, but the noise the elephants make, they hollered out. And what they're saying is there's a man here now. And the moment that the adult male bull elephants showed up, all them baby bulls straightened right out. All of a sudden, they up on their mamas. They wasn't me, <laughs> you know, right? Why? Because a real man was on the scene. Because some real men had shown up. The problem in America in 2019, the problem in the church in 2019, we don't have enough real men on the scene. And if we did, there'd be some baby bulls straightening up. We'd see it. And this is the scheme of the evil one, right? All through history, 
Uh, the, the devil's been taking out the boys, the men. Anything he can do as a society, tell you that being a man isn't good enough. You need to be a man who acts like a woman. Always trying to take the legs out from under men. It's the truth. In Moses' day, they were killing the baby boys. In Jesus' day, they were killing the baby boys. Nothing has changed. The devil's always wanted to get rid of the baby boys. Not because ladies don't matter, but this is this generational transfer of the faith that God has called the men to participate in. And obviously ladies as well. The reason why we've got war zones in high schools and drug problems and all those things is because too many of these children are coming from homes where there's not a mature adult male bull in the house. They've been picked off by society. And I want, by the way, I put this in my notes again. I want to pause and just, you know, just praise God for all the women who are living every day being mama and daddy. Mama and daddy. You, you keep on keeping on. God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And God's going to bless your efforts. But look at this slide. Understand this. Whoever owns the family owns the future. It's hard work being a fight. It ain't easy. It's hard work being a godly man taking ownership of your responsibilities under God. It ain't for punks. It's not for sissies, effeminate men who are trying to be like a lady and not assuming what the, the responsibility that God has given them. It's not easy for men to take a stand under God and be responsible for what God has called them responsible for. It's not easy. That's why he says, be a man. Stand firm in the faith. Joshua 24, 15, Joshua said this, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. The problem is we don't have enough men saying, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Well, what if mama don't want to serve the Lord? It's too bad. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's not something, listen, the family don't get to volunteer. They're drafted. The moment they, listen, the moment you became part of that family and God made you commander in chief of that family, in that moment, they got drafted into your army. And you're not taking requests. We don't vote, or hey, are we going to church today? Let's vote. Put your hands down. We're going to church. <laughs> God has called you. Ask for me in my house. We will, hey, Mama, is it okay if me and the, hey, baby, Alicia, is it okay if we serve the, no, 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 no. Ask for me in my house. We will serve the Lord. Well, do the kids want to go? Hey, kids, do you want to go to church? No, he says, ask for me in my house. We will serve the Lord. Joshua didn't take a survey. He didn't take a vote. He didn't test the water. He didn't take the temperature. He didn't look around to see what everybody else was doing. He said, ask for me in my house. We will serve the Lord. They can do what they want to do over there, down the street, across the street, over in town. They can do whatever they want. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because God is going to hold me responsible. A godly father leaves a spiritual inheritance for his children, even his grandchildren, his children and his children's children. Their grandchildren know he's a godly father because they've been brought into the generational loop. They're the recipients in Scripture, every child was waiting for a blessing. I don't know, if you read the Old Testament, what you'll see, you'll see where kids, they'll bring, they'll bring it usually happened when the guy thought he was dying. And we, Jacob in the Bible, I'm pretty sure he thought he was dying for 50 years. Okay? So he had issues. Okay, we'll talk about him in a minute. But listen, and they bring the children, and he would place his hand, his right hand on the firstborn, and he would bless them. And this blessing was always about the future, about what God was going to do in the future. Again, generational mindset. Not about today, oh God, you just bless my son so he can get through today. No, it's like this is what God has for your future. 
right? So even if you walked in there and thinking that you're nothing but a caterpillar, this father's going to say, no, someday you're going to be a butterfly. It's about the future, about divine destiny, what God is calling you to in the future. That's what this spiritual blessing that would happen, this inheritance that would be passed down. Remember, it's so important. Jacob stole it from Esau. And so they would do this with their children. But maybe you're here this morning, you're thinking, well, I didn't ha- I, it's too late for me. My kids are grown, and um, I didn't know that I should have been an example when I should have been an example. I, well, I'm not passing. I didn't pass a baton down. I, I've kind of missed it. Or maybe you didn't know and just didn't do it, or you didn't do it consistently. Listen, there's just one terrible father in the Bible. Look at this next slide. Jacob. Jacob. You know Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Jacob wasn't worth killing. Jacob had 12 boys by four different women. He had 12 sons by four different women. That's never been okay. Okay, this idea, you know, the polygamy that you see sometimes in the Old Testament, that was never God's plan. You understand? When he had four women, he was sinning three times. Jacob brought division in his house. Jacob, this family dysfunction that was passed down, Jacob had a favorite, and his favorite was Joseph. You know Joseph. And he so singled Joseph out above and beyond all the other brothers. They all hated Joseph. They hated him so much, they sold him into slavery. That's, I got to admit, when I was growing up, my brothers, I thought about it. But there weren't any takers, okay? So it really, wasn't really an option. But they, how bad do you have to hate a sibling to go to sell them into slavery? And this is Jacob's family, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Jacob was a liar. He was a deceiver. There was nobody that ever came into Jacob's life that he didn't try to manipulate uh, on his own terms. But then something happened, and he got right with God, and everything changed. Look at this next slide. Our God is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And fifth chances. See, if, this is, if you need a second chance this morning, it's because Jacob was a failed father. He messed up in his life big time and in big ways. And if that's your story this morning, listen, that's why God gives you grandchildren. Look at Genesis 48, verse 11. Now again, Jacob never got to bless Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery before this ever could have possibly happened. And so Joseph goes to Egypt. He becomes the number two in all of Egypt, right? The right-hand man. And through the providence of God, God brought Joseph and his brothers and his Jacob and the whole family, everybody back together in Egypt. And this is what Jacob has to say. When he got right with God, his name was Israel. You've heard of Israel? Jacob. It says, And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. He says, I didn't think I'd ever even see you again, but not only has God let me see you, but I'm seeing your children. I'm seeing my children's children from the son that I thought was gone forever. Our God is a God of second chances. We say it all the time. Listen, you're still breathing. God's not done. And God wasn't done with Jacob. And let me tell you what happened. So they're in Egypt, and, and Joseph brings his sons, his, his two sons, his firstborn, secondborn son, and he brings them to Jacob. Jacob never got to bless Joseph. But Jacob got to pass down this spiritual blessing onto Joseph's children, his children's 
children. Our God is good. God has enough grace and mercy and forgiveness to cover whatever's been going on in your life. But it starts with humility and meekness. Man, I don't have it all together. The question is, are you man enough to live under the authority of God? Because that's who he's calling. He's calling men. Are you woman enough to live under the authority of God? That's who he's calling. Or you keep doing things your way. Only living for right here, right now, this moment, today. Whatever I can squeeze out of this moment. Who cares about tomorrow? Self-centered and ruled by the flesh instead of ruled by Christ. Or will you be able to say like Joshua. As for me and my house. Those people God's made me responsible for. As for me and my house, my children. As for me and my house, my children's children. I'm going to pass down a spiritual, spiritual heritage. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come hell or high water. Let's pray. Father God, teach us. Lord, humble us. Where we will... Trust your ways and walk in them. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed. Be respectful of those around you for just a moment. For those of you this morning, you know that you're saved. You know you're a believer, right? The Holy Spirit in your heart confirms with you that you're a child of the King. You're a child of God. Not perfect or anything, but you know that you're saved. Is it your prayer this morning that you would walk humbly with God? Humble enough to be surrendered to His will and His calling on your life? Is it your prayer this morning that you won't just be excited about the title, but be humbled by the responsibility? That God would give you a generational mindset that really is just not all about me? And whether it's your children, or whether it's your grandchildren, or simply caring enough to pour into the lives of other people's children. So I want to pray with all of us. Is it your prayer this morning? For those of you who are saved, is it your prayer? God, help me to live for eternal things. Help me to live for what really matters. Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up. I want to pray for all of us. All over, all over. Let's pray. Father God, again, thank you for your word. Or thank you for this challenge to be exactly who you've called us to be. Lord, I just pray that we will live with a surrendered heart, a surrendered life, a life of humility, walking with our God. God, that we'll take responsibility for where you're going to hold us accountable. God, we're so grateful for your grace and your mercy. Lord, thank you for forgiving us where we come short. But God, we need you to lead us so that we can be the people that you have called us to be. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. The truth is this morning, there's some of you that you're here and you don't know that you know. You don't know that you're saved. You've never really done that business with God. You've never really made that decision. Look up for just a second, guys. Listen, you can't have a spiritual, generational mindset if you don't have it yourself. Like when we think about passing down an inheritance, right? I can't leave, like when I die, I can't leave my children the million dollars that I don't have. Does that make sense? I can't give what I don't have. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus for yourself. And maybe you had godly people in your life. And all your life, they've been trying to pass that baton. They've been reaching out. They've been trying to pass down that spiritual heritage. But you haven't been listening. 
You've been rejecting it and rejecting it. Listen, one of the things about uh, spiritual heritage, it's not something you can force on anybody, right? You've raised them up in a godly home, do everything you can. But it's their decision. It's your decision. It doesn't matter about your mom and dad, how much they love Jesus and serve God, your grandparents, your grandmother. All of that's irrelevant now. It's about what you're going to do with Jesus. It's about what you're going to do with what he did for you. Dying, man, because he loves you and saving you. Maybe you're here this morning and that's not your story. I'm talking about having a godly heritage and having people that are trying to pass it down, trying to pass it down. But maybe you grew up in a home where nothing was getting passed down good. Nothing. This idea of a spiritual heritage, it wasn't modeled for you. You never saw it. Oh, maybe you went to church, but you kind of went home and you thought to yourself, boy, if everybody at church knew how my dad was at home. Right? Maybe your father doesn't have that great of a name. Maybe you don't have that great of a Whatever that means. See, the, the truth is, I'm not going to go to heaven based on whether or not Jimmy Kelly was a good Christian. I'm not going to go to heaven on my name. Marcus Kelly is not going to open the doors for anybody. Look at this verse. This is our last verse. There's only one name. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's only one name that can answer. And whatever spiritual heritage has been passed down to you or hasn't is irrelevant at this moment. God has you here. And God will hold you accountable by what you do with a message like this and with his son. Have you received forgiveness? Have you come to that place where you repented, turned from your sins, and called on the name of Jesus, the only name that can save? Or are you riding the coattails of somebody else's religion, somebody else's faith? Trust Jesus. Let him make a difference in your heart. The reason why there's chaos in your family is because there's chaos in your heart because you don't have peace with God. You can't have peace with others till you have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? You need Jesus. Let's pray one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, you're here this morning, and you know that you need Jesus. You need to be forgiven. You need to be saved. You need to trust his sacrifice for your salvation. Look, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking. Pray for those around you. But if that's you this morning, you want to right now, you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ, I will not call you out. I will not single you out. I will not drag you forward. I, we will not embarrass you. That's not what we do here. But I just want to give you this opportunity, and I want to pray with you. So if you're here right now, you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ. Right now, you need Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. Will you slip your hand up for just a second? Slip your hand up. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. Listen, right there in your seat. Why don't you pray a prayer like this? It's not the prayer. It's you humbling yourself, being meek before God, and admitting your need for a Savior. Maybe you could pray these words. Say, Father God, I'm a sinner. Lord, but I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in your name, not mine and not anybody else's, the name of Jesus. Your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Save me, Jesus. Listen, you pray a prayer like that. You're sincere and honest with God. He saved you. 